Hi, this is Ed Fitzpatrick. If you enjoy local politics as much as I do, be sure to join our friends at Rhode Island PBS for the show A Lively Experiment. Hosted by Jim Hummel, the weekly series features journalists, pundits, and politicians debating the stories and issues that matter most to us Rhode Islanders. Tune in to A Lively Experiment and be part of the conversation. Fridays at 7 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS and wherever you get your podcasts. From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. We often talk about the relationship between Providence and the State House, but what about the rest of Rhode Island? To get some perspective, we're talking today with Charles Lombardi. He's been the mayor of North Providence for 15 years and the president of the League of Cities and Towns since 2020. Our conversation after this quick break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Rhode Island PBS Weekly is an award-winning news magazine broadcast that gives you the full story, powered by investigative journalism and narrative storytelling. New episodes of Rhode Island PBS Weekly drop Sundays at 7.30 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS. Watch past episodes at ripbs.org weekly. That's ripbs.org weekly. Welcome back. I'm here with North Providence Mayor Charles A. Lombardi, president of the Rhode Island League of Cities and Towns. Thank you for joining me today, Mayor. Thank you for the invitation. Pleasure to be here. Earlier this year, the League of Cities and Towns released its priorities for the State House. You summed them up this way. Anything we can save money on, we're in favor of. Anything that costs us, we're not. Tell us more about that. Well, my idea or my feeling Ed, is that regionalization of services is our salvation, all the communities. And we continually try to join communities to provide services because in the end, my business sense tells me we save money. Our animal control was North Providence in Johnston. We just had a um, groundbreaking last week and now this animal, no animal control shelter is gonna be North Providence, Johnston and Smithfield. It's going to save the three towns a bunch of money in the coming years. We dispatch all of the Pawtucket fire apparatus in North Providence. That one uh, change uh, saved the city of Pawtucket some 90000 and saved North Providence 40000 So you think about roughly $150,000 in one merger. So, you know, th- those are the things that we continue to promote. We continue to debate. You know, some of the ideas that the uh, General Assembly has that's, you know, going to cost the cities and towns money either now or somewhere down the road. Yeah, let's talk about one of those. Just last week, the Senate passed legislation that would extend existing firefighter and municipal police contracts called evergreen contracts until new agreements are reached or an arbitrator rules. What impact will that have on cities and towns? 
Well, I, I firmly believe, and most of the members in the league believe that when a contract is over, it's over. So you settle on a three-year contract, you sit across the table, you agree on a, on a you know, a, a fair contract, so to say, Ed. Now, the contract's over, you sit back at the table, and you start from zero. That's the way it should be. The brotherhood, the unions, convince the legislature that, well, doesn't have to be that way. Or it shouldn't be that way. And my question is, why shouldn't it be? So now what's happening is they're saying a contract is going to continue until you agree on a new contract. All we want is the opportunity to agree on an extension of the contract. And what they're saying now is they don't even want to give us that opportunity to sit and agree. We're going to sit there and firefighters looking at us and saying, until you agree on giving us maybe more money, or less cost for our health care, then we're going to walk out because we don't have to sit here. Now, the Senate sponsor says he can remember only one time when a municipality, East Providence, didn't continue the contract terms until a new deal was reached. So what's the harm in continuing a common practice? The harm, to, to me, I, I look at it just the opposite way. If it's only one time, okay, so why are we doing this? If it's only one time. And I don't know of any mayor manager or administrator, Ed, that is going to the table and hasn't been fair. Most contracts are settled prior to arbitration, so to say. But the fact of the matter is, without having the ability to protect your taxpayers in the course of a debate, so to say, as far as I'm concerned, that's not fair to the communities, and it puts us in a negative position. The state's likely to legalize marijuana this year. The League of Cities and Towns says it wants to get at least 3% local sales tax on those purchases. Why should cities and towns get that money, and what should those funds be spent on? Well, first of all, like the cities and towns should, should uh, receive those funds because they're going to bear the burden of any issues that are created from the distribution of marijuana. And by the way, I think those funds should roll right back into taking care of people that may be affected or may get affected by uh, the use of marijuana. You know, our rescue squads are out there every day, the knocking, and so I think it should go right back into the public safety. The league also wants town or city councils to decide whether to outlaw local marijuana dispensaries instead of having voters decide. Why not leave it up to the voters? I think the communities are concerned that it'll be so, so much easier to vote yes and not have the issue at hand, that being those elected officials that should decide. Would you support marijuana dispensaries in North Providence? No. Why not? Um, I, I never was a proponent of uh, marijuana, and I think the state is probably forced to enter into legalization of marijuana because of the revenue. One of the big outstanding questions this session is whether the General Assembly will revamp the Law Enforcement Officers' Bill of Rights. Advocates say the current Bill of Rights makes it too hard to discipline police officers when they do something wrong. What's your view? That has really affected us, Ed. We just had a situation where I wouldn't let go and I went public with it, and I think that's the reason why you're going to see some change in the Officers' Bill of Rights. This officer that we had was 
had 97 charges brought against him. 79 of those charges, he was found guilty. What were the charges about? Well, those untruthfulness, failed to obey a number of traffic stops that there wasn't the uh, proper documentation and information. Times that when, you know, just left the station whenever he felt he could or he wanted to, driving up and down Middle Spring Avenue with a cigar in his mouth in a mocked uh, police cruiser. My wife and I had to testify at the hearing as to what we saw. And when you're dealing with a, an individual such as that that thinks that this, this is a hangout, this is law enforcement. It's not the DPW. It's law enforcement. The officer has the right to ask for representation on the committee, three-member committee. The town or the police department then appoints someone to the committee. Now there has to be a neutral. Now that neutral has to be agreed upon by both the officer and the town. Now when you can't agree, that decision goes to the Superior Court judge. We happened to draw the short straw, and the fellow that became the neutral was a lieutenant from a neighboring department, East Providence Police Department. To me, that is like the uh, hen, the fox watching the hen house. And the outcome was that he was demoted, not terminated. That's correct. So he's still on the force. He is, and that's creating a little bit of an issue. And by the way, it cost us $126,000, Ed. While this was being heard, that's unfair to the taxpayers. And there's been talk of either repealing or overhauling the law enforcement officer's bill of rights. What changes would you like to see? What are the most important things to do? It's all about the neutral. And I'm saying, hey, look, um, that neutral needs to be maybe a retired judge. So at least you know that when there's a decision that's going to be made, it's unbiased. Right, right. I think the officers need representation, but I don't think that you should have, as I said, the fox watching the hen house. That, that doesn't work. With Colonel Manny leaving as state police superintendent, who do you think will become the next head of the state police? Well, that's a good question. They're talking about the uh, lieutenant colonel that's there now. I'm trying to remember his name. Coming the next colonel. I don't know. I would just hope that who's ever appointed or named as the next colonel is named because of his or her qualifications. Let me ask you another question. You're an ally of Governor McKee, who was mayor of Cumberland for many years. How has it made a difference of a former mayor leading the state? I can tell you this, that the League of Cities and Towns, the local mayors, managers, and administrator was like a non-entity with Governor Raimondo. Never heard from her, never asked the communities, what do you think? Is there an issue? When Governor McKee became the governor, we meet with him once a week. And so it's been a big difference and to discuss and talk about issues and maybe some suggestions or ideas. So it's made a huge difference. The McKee administration is now facing a federal investigation of that, that education contract awarded to the ILO group. You served on that four-member review team that vetted the contract. So has the FBI or any other authorities contacted you about it? No. It, that contract has become a real political liability for the governor. Do you wish you halted the whole thing when you had a chance? Based on the information, and I don't want to say too much because I don't know where this is going, Ed, 
like I said, no one's questioned me as of yet. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure because of the services that they were going to provide. So not really. You wouldn't do anything different? No. Let me ask you a few North Providence-related questions. Uh, North Providence only picks up recycling every other week. Why is that, and when will the town switch to recycling every week? We're talking about that right now oh, yeah? because there's been a uh, request for uh, double bins by a number of people. So we're at the point right now where we're thinking, okay, we probably should just pick up the recyclables once a week as opposed to investing all this money and purchasing a second bin, which is going to take up a lot of space maybe not look so good, congested the neighborhoods. And uh, so that's what we're talking. Yes, we are. You've said that installing the town's first fully accessible playground was one of your top priorities for 2022, but you haven't approved the funding to get help installing it. Why not? Well, uh, we um, we feel we, we have the money and that's going to probably start next week. Next week. All right. Yep. Uh, you're a Democrat, but you told me you voted for Donald Trump in 2016. Did you vote for him in 2020? And would you vote for him again if he runs in 2024? I, I'm, uh, I'm in business, and I thought that uh, Donald Trump was better for business. I did uh, give him a vote. Um, would I vote for him again? I'm not sure. Did you vote for him again in 2020? I did. You're 75 now, right? I am, sir. And I saw a story that Ethan Shorey did in the Valley Breeze suggesting you might run again when your term is up at age 78. So if you had to decide today, are you running again for another four-year term? Yes. Tell me about why. Thank God I enjoy good health. I love what I do. I'm at my businesses at 5.30 in the morning. I'm back home maybe by 8, 8.15. I'm in the office at nine. I just can't stop it. And that's a debate that I have with my children. And they think that I should be, uh, you know, maybe getting the honey-do list. <laughs> but that's not going to happen. I, I think we've um, made all the necessary changes. And keep in mind, we were advised to, to bankrupt the town when I got there by all the financial people. Is that right? And I said, our business is 75 years old this year. I said, my dad would fall over if I ever did that. My son became the mayor, he bankrupted the town. We made the tough decisions. We got money, we're A1 bond rated, and I have a great time. Does anybody could envision uh, succeeding you as mayor? There's a few of the younger, you know, ladies and gentlemen out there that hopefully I can, you know, help them along. My concern in this job is the politics. I'm not a politician. I do not like the politics, and all I would wish for is that if, God forbid, something happened to me, whoever came here would make the decisions uh, with a business flair. Mayor, you have a 1963 409 Impala, correct? I do. Are you still racing that thing? I am. Tell me about that. I refuse to get old. <laughs> my son When's your next I, race? My son, we're going... I think we're going to New York the end of May, and then we go to Michigan in, in, in June. And look, I was brought up with cars. I collect them. I drag race them. My son and I together, two cars in the trailer. And we just drive and catch up. It's, 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 it's. You don't drag race on, on Monroe Spring Ave, right? This is all legal. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, I have a great time and, and we do it together. And this is another thing. I just refuse to get old then. 
All right, Mayor Lombardi, thank you for joining us today. Ed, it's been a pleasure. You know, I'm as far away as the phone. I'll never be able to say that you called me and I didn't answer the phone. Here are some more stories to check out this week in Globe, Rhode Island. I have a story on the first quarter fundraising reports from Rhode Island's second congressional district race. Some candidates are being scared off by better-funded rivals. My colleague Alexa Gagas has a Q&A with the founder of Storytime Online. The company works with global refugees to create, translate, and narrate children's books in dozens of languages. And be sure to check out the story about Rhode Island artist David Byrd. He created the whimsical world of beacorns, featuring tiny characters crafted from acorns and twigs. He poses his creations in nature to interact with birds and other creatures. For these stories and more, go to globe.com slash Rhode Island. That's globe.com slash Rhode Island. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Amy Padula. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week. Looking to binge watch all your favorite PBS shows? You need Rhode Island PBS Passport, Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, Rhode Island PBS Weekly, and many more. Watch them all, anytime, and from any streaming device. Learn more about this member benefit at ripbs.org passport. That's ripbs.org passport.